Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. My grandmother was a great source of knowledge to me. Whenever I spent time with her, I learned tremendous things about the past, especially about the history of New York and New Jersey where I grew up. Another great thing she introduced me to was the television miniseries. Now, occasionally you still get to see these artifacts from television's yesteryear, but in the 70s and 80s, these were what television events were all about. You had Roots, you had North and South, you had these tremendous shows that attracted massive audiences. My grandmother really enjoyed the format. I didn't really understand that it was the format that she enjoyed at the time. I thought it was the subject matter, because they seemed like dramatic, sweeping stories that were either romantic in scope or dealt with historical figures. Then a miniseries came along that changed my perception of my grandmother, V. My grandmother spent a lot of time at my family's house growing up, and because she was a matriarch in the family, she was given control of the television. I'm not so sure that my sisters enjoyed that, but me, I'd pretty much watch anything and would sit and watch whatever she had on. It didn't hurt that when she was there, there was often ice cream involved. Now, of course, I was more obsessed with Saturday morning cartoons and children's programming, so I didn't really follow what interesting miniseries might come on or what television events I should be watching at the time. My grandmother sat down and said, oh, tonight we're going to watch a show called V. It started going. I kept expecting it to be maybe about World War II, V for victory or something. But instead, it was a two-part epic about aliens coming to Earth. And I mentioned World War II. It sort of was an allegory for Nazism. I was riveted. I remember after the first episode ended, I looked over at her and was like, that was great. I didn't know you really enjoyed those things. She says, well, a good story is a good story. I just like to see it in the proper format. I've always appreciated that my grandmother kept an open mind toward entertainment, and I've tried to emulate her in my life, be it movies, music, television. As long as it is presented in a creative manner, I'll give it a shot. I might not love it, but I will appreciate the effort. On today's show, we are going to talk about the entertainment phenomenon of the 1980s V. We're going to talk about the miniseries, the follow-up miniseries, the television series, the books, its impact on culture, the expected return of V in the near future. And Metagirl has a great top five list. So, without further ado, let's start the show. The show V got its start in the mind of director and writer Kenneth Johnson. Kenneth Johnson is an American screenwriter who was born in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. He started his career working on shows like The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. 
he actually created the character of Jamie Summers for the Bionic Woman. And not many people realize this, but he was also the creator of the TV show, The Incredible Hulk. So warts and all, if you like The Incredible Hulk, you can thank Kenneth Johnson. Johnson started working on an idea for an original miniseries, which would be about an invasion of Earth by aliens. He's quoted as saying that the series was influenced by the Sinclair Lewis political novel, It Can't Happen Here, which is about a newspaper man named Doremus Jessup struggling against a fascist regime in the United States. The show also borrows from the Bertolt Brecht play The Private Life of the Master Race, which is obvious in the very fascist-slash-Nazi undertones in the movie. And another short story that many people are familiar with that it borrows from was actually made into a Twilight Zone episode called To Serve Man, and that was written by Damon Knight. And that's the story about a group of aliens who come to Earth, and what they want from us is not quite obvious. It's a cookbook. A cookbook! Now, although Johnson was known for doing science fiction work, V was originally intended to be a political thriller about the rise of fascism in America. But science fiction was very big in movie theaters with Star Wars, and NBC wanted to cash in on that. So they asked him to switch it to a science fiction setting in hopes that it would appeal to that audience. The show would go on to do very well, but there was no guarantee at the beginning. There was no established equation for success when using science fiction, so NBC decided to use a rather innovative mass media marketing campaign that I think was kind of ahead of its time. They used posters, just like in the movie, that said, The visitors are our friends, and hung them all over subways and train stations in the United States, just like in the miniseries. Then, right before the first episode aired, each poster was spray-painted, with a bright red V. This has become commonplace for marketing campaigns here in the United States and throughout the world. Part one of the miniseries premiered on May 1st, 1983, and part two on May 2nd, and it was a huge ratings hit for NBC. In fact, it was the highest rated program NBC had had in over two years. It had a 40 share, which equated to 80 million viewers per episode. And those are big numbers. Those are like series finale numbers. The show was so popular here in the United States that it went international. It premiered in the UK on July 30th, 1984, in Argentina in January 14th of 1985, then it went to France in September of 1985. The show became a phenomenon. And not just because the sci-fi theme resonated with fans. In South Africa, where an apartheid government was still running things, the Red V from the miniseries was spray-painted all over the place the day after the show aired there. Tonight is your chance to see how it all began, to relive the excitement that is V, the most extraordinary miniseries ever. A daring TV journalist struggling to uncover the startling truth behind the alien's visit to Earth. And a beautiful and brave young scientist fighting for the very survival of the human race. Together, they take you on a fantastic journey to meet the visitors. Prepare yourself for a television event that's out of this world. Prepare for V. Next. NBC immediately wanted to order up a series based on the show, but Warner Brothers, who had worked on the miniseries, couldn't find a way to do something decent for the amount of money, so a year later, a new miniseries, V, The Final Battle, would premiere. This would eventually lead to V, The Weekly Series. Now, I know I mentioned the influences of other works on V, but here is the actual plot for the show. V begins like any other science fiction space invasion movie with a huge fleet of saucer-shaped ships arriving at key cities around the world. 
when the aliens do finally reveal themselves, it is in the guise of friendly aliens. They appear on the roof of the United Nations, and they look human, but require special glasses to protect their eyes and have a weird sort of way of speaking. We come to know them as the visitors, and these visitors tell us a story about their home planet. It turns out that they need our help. They have had problems, and they need chemicals and minerals to save their world that they could only get on Earth. If we help them out, they agree to give us their technology, and the governments of the world agree to help the visitors. What happens next is the leaders of the visitors, John, and his famous deputy, Diana, start to gain a lot of control with the human authorities. Then all these strange things start happening. Scientists on Earth become objects of increasing media hostility. People who criticize the visitors start to disappear or are largely discredited. Then the real hero of the Michael Donovan, who is a journalist, covertly boards the mothership and discovers that beneath the human-like facade are carnivorous reptilians who like to eat live food. The visitors then seize control of the media. They form a youth group, very similar to the sort of Hitler youth, and start using mind control. Donovan is a fugitive from the law. Of course, this leads to a resistance movement on Earth. Their symbol is a painted red V for victory, which is spray-painted over posters that promoted the visitors as friends, as I mentioned in the marketing campaign. Interestingly, the show ends with the resistance striking against the visitors and some of the visitors actually helping the resistance and did an interesting case impregnating one of them. And when all that finally plays out, the miniseries ends with the visitors now controlling all of Earth. At that point, the resistance sends a transmission into space asking for help from anyone who could help us. So a sort of bleak ending. The show had a great cast. You had the Beastmaster himself, Mark Singer, playing Mike Donovan. You had Faye Grant playing Juliet Parrish. Diana was played by a great soap actress, Jane Badler, who was an amazing antagonist in the show. Her, air quote, boss, John, was played by Richard Hurd, who's a character actor who's appeared in dozens of TV shows, probably most famously to recent fans as Mr. Wilhelm on the TV show Seinfeld. One of the great collaborator visitors was Willie, and Willie was played by Robert Freddy Krueger England. An interesting story about the casting, Dominique Dunn, who you might remember as Dana Freeling in Poltergeist, was cast in the show as Robin Maxwell. While she was at her house in 1982 with her co-star, David Packer, Packer would play human collaborator Daniel Bernstein in V. She was attacked by her boyfriend at the time, John Sweeney. She was beat so badly that she was put into a coma and died five days later. Blair Tefkin was cast to replace Dunn as Robin, and all the scenes that had been shot with the late actress were refilmed. But the trivia buffs have realized that in one of the shots where the visitors first arrive on Earth, you can still see Dunn, but from behind. The original V miniseries was so popular that they asked Kenneth Johnson to come back and write a sequel. Actually, originally what they wanted to do was create a spin-off series, but as I mentioned, they thought that was too expensive, so they decided on another series. And this one would be called V, The Final Battle. In one week, mankind will face the visitors for the final battle. It's the only chance we've got. And for these two lovers, perhaps their final days together. You have one week to prepare for an adventure inside the alien's mothership, where a father will desperately search for his kidnapped son. Mike Donovan will find his boy, just as the aliens have planned. 
you have only one week to prepare for the most astonishing birth in our history. The mother is 19, the father a visitor. The world now waits to see the baby. You have only one week to prepare for the last war mankind may ever face. Next Sunday, the, the final battle begins. So Johnson and three other writers came aboard and started working on a script, and they came up with a very special effects-laden and an exciting and emotionally satisfying conclusion to the V storyline. NBC took a look at it and said, wow, this is going to be very expensive, and instead decided to take the show in a different direction. They dropped Johnson and re-scripted V, The Final Battle, in their own image. They did bring back most of the original cast from the show, which was really good. And it takes off right where the original series left off. It begins with a resistance raid on a visitor food processing center, which is preparing human beings for long-term food storage. Most of the resistance force dies there. The only one who has an effective weapon is Mike Donovan, who has one of the visitor's laser weapons. After that, where you see that the humans are really outgunned, the resistance decides that they need to come up with a clever way to get more people on board. So they want to show the visitor supreme commander as a lizard. Their plan succeeds, and a whole bunch of new people join them. They get new ammunition for their guns that's Teflon-tipped, so it'll go right through the armor of the visitors. The visitors are not our friends! They've come to rape our planet and kill us! They are not who they appear to be! So finally, the tables turn and the humans start to win. Then something truly awesome happens on V. In what is considered by many to be one of the best scenes in the whole series, and I'm talking about regular series and miniseries, a Muppet-looking human hybrid alien baby is born. Then the Resistance gets access to a chemical weapon that they can use on the alien, which is called Red Dust. With the red dust and the new Teflon ammunition, the Resistance is able to turn the tide, stopping the aliens from taking us up as food and taking all our water. And at the end, we are apparently victorious. But, of course, the visitors will return in V, the television series. The second V miniseries did well also, although not as good as the first one. It did well enough that NBC finally decided that it would be worthwhile to invest in a full-blown series based on the storyline. Kenneth Johnson was not asked to return on it, so the entire show was worked on without his input. Johnson would later go on to work on some great things and some bad things. Chief amongst them was the great 1989 television series Alien Nation. The rest of the cast from the show returned, which was great for continuity, and the show premiered on NBC on October 26, 1984, and would run until March 22, 1985. Yep, it did not last very long. I can't tell you why. It had the feel of the miniseries, but maybe it had just run its course. But I guess if you had to put your finger on it and figure out what the flaw of the show was, it didn't have the emphasis on action. Instead, it inserted all these weak love triangles. That being said, it still kept the same running plotline of the original V and is considered canon by V aficionados. The series begins with a two-part story that involves the capture of Diana, and some other cool stuff happens. The human visitor hybrid, who is known as Elizabeth, goes through a metamorphosis, which ages her so they can get another actor into the role. We find out that the red dust doesn't actually work everywhere on Earth, which spurs the visitors to return to warmer climactic regions of the world, such as L.A., after Diana is captured, she's assumed killed in an assassination attempt, but is actually being held captive by Nathan Bates, 
who's the head of the scientific frontiers, who offers her her life in exchange for technology that he could use to consolidate power on Earth. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings, retro fans! This is Metagirl, bringing you the top five episodes from the short-lived 1984 television series, V. At number five is The Betrayal. Willie is shot while gathering information from a visitor fifth columnist, leading the resistance to kidnap a visitor doctor that can help him. Number four is episode 12, The Rescue. Los Angeles is no longer an open city after Nathan Bates is found out to be dead. The visitors take advantage of this and launch an all-out attack. Number three is episode three, The Deception. Mike is captured by the visitors, who attempt to deceive him into believing the war is over. Will he be tricked? At number two is episode two, Dreadnought. The wicked Diana plots to destroy Los Angeles with a space-based particle beam weapon. And the number one episode of the V television series is... Episode 18, The Return. The leader declares a ceasefire and travels to Earth to halt the war. He takes Elizabeth on his ship, but Diana has hidden a bomb on board in a plot to become the new leader. And there you have it, the Retroist's top five episodes from the V television series. Until next time, List fans, this has been Metagirl. Kenneth Johnson was long at work on a V, the second generation. He had written a four-hour script for the new series. He tried to get it made into a motion picture. But sadly, NBC Warner Brothers, who owns the television rights to V, opted out of making a series based on his work, but instead has decided to do a remake of V, written by Scott Peters, which will air on November 3rd, 2009 on ABC. The show seems to have a similar storyline to the original V, but with more sinister undertones of sleeper agents. For the life of me, I can't figure out what other popular science fiction show might have influenced them. Hmm. Oh well. Here's a little sneak preview. Since their arrival, there's been no contact with any of the 29 ships now hovering over the major cities of the world. My name is Anna. Don't be frightened. We mean no harm. The newly opened visitor healing centers are drawing huge crowds. The V's heal me. It's amazing. Standing by to go to air. Don't ask any questions that would portray us negatively. Afraid I don't have a choice. This interview is now canceled. The visitors didn't just get here. They've been here for years. They've been printing fake docs, passports, IDs, best fakes I've ever seen. Once embedded among us, they set out to cause worldwide instability. C4. They've been implementing a plan that will result in the extermination of every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. So as you can see, V is not dead. It's getting rebooted, and this could open up that universe to a whole host of potential watchers who've never seen it before. Watching the trailer for the new version makes me a little sad. I was hoping to revisit some of those characters. I enjoyed it in my youth, but I'm sure that I will find these new characters just as engaging, and we'll be creating a whole new set of memories to be talking about 30 years from now.
Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash retroist. If you have an idea for the show, email it to me at retroist at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Go in pieces. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.